welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Um, anyway, um, yeah, let's jump into, if you have a, a Bible, let's look at Mark again from last week. We looked at Mark uh, chapter 8, I believe it was, um, where Jesus is talking about eternal salvation. But in Mark eight thirty six, he says, For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world but lose his soul? And so the salvation that Jesus brings in John ten ten, he says, I've come that you may have life, like have it right now. So the salvation that Jesus brings is not just about the sweet by and by. He doesn't just want to secure for you eternal life in the future. He wants you to start living that life right here and right now. And which is, which is why he says, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? And I, so I believe God wants you to have your soul back. I believe that the enemy has come to steal Right, kill and destroy, but steal is to steal our soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So I believe that God wants you to have your mind back. <laughs> you say, well, what do you mean? I, I, I already have my mind. Really? Well, do you have it all the time? Or are there thoughts that come into your mind that, you, that aren't from you, that you don't want in there, but you can't get them out? If that, if that happens to you, you don't have your mind. You have, I mean, it's here, but you don't have control of it. You don't have possession of it. Somebody else is able to influence your mind. The enemy is able to influence your mind. I believe that God wants you to get your mind back. I believe God wants you, that, you know, between your two ears, God wants you to have peace right there. The peace of God, the freedom of God in your mind. So that you are in control of your mind. You're in control of your thoughts. You can, you can decide whether you're going to dwell on that or not dwell on that. You can decide whether you're going to believe that or not believe that. Like God wants, and, and, it's, and it's not that God wants you to, to have your soul so that you can run off and, and manage it on your own. No, he wants you to give, he wants you to have control of your mind so that you can submit it to him. Right? You cannot submit to God what you don't have, what you don't have control over. Right? And so this is, why, this is why credit card debt is so bad. Because you can't give to God money you've already promised to visa. You know what I'm saying? So some of us are so deep in debt we literally can't give to God because we've promised everything to everybody else. So God doesn't want you living in debt because he wants you to have your money so that you can then use your money for his kingdom, for his glory, and for your good. Right? God, doesn't want, God wants to save you so that you have your mind back. And when you have your mind back, then you can give it to God. Then you can obey the word of God, right? Philippians uh, 4, 8. Think on these things, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely. Like, like so many of us, we read that verse and we can't do that because we don't have control of our mind. What does it profit a man if he gain religion but doesn't own his own mind? What does it profit a man if he... If he gain uh, a worship experience, but doesn't have control of his own mind. And so God wants you to own, to have ownership, possession over your mind and your will. Many of us are not in control of our desires. Our desires are in control of us. <laughs> like we want to do what is right. But then 
we don't want to do what is right, right? And, 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 and man, like so, so many issues in life spring out of the fact that we don't have control of our desires. So we desire one thing one day, and we desire something else the next day. We desire something else the next day. And Scripture says it's like it's a, it's, a, it's like being like a leaf in the wind, where the wind blows you that way, and then and then the enemy dangles a carrot over here and a distraction over there, and so then you go over that way, and then the enemy brings another distraction over there, and then you chase after that for a couple of years and then you try to build this and then you realize oh I should really be going back to school and so then you sacrifice everything to go back to school and and and, and you wake up 30 years later and you you're just running in circles why because your desires were driving you you weren't driving your desires well, what does it look like to drive your desires well it means that that you decide what you want to do you align that with the Word of God and then you continue to want to do it long after the want to you used to have goes away. <laughs> God doesn't want your emotions. Emotions are wonderful passengers in life. They're terrible drivers. <laughs> they're terrible drivers. They're, they're, they're awful at decision making. They, they buy really expensive things. <laughs> they marry really unhealthy people. <laughs> They date really unhealthy people. Emotions are, 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 are bad drivers. They're good passengers, though. God wants you to have emotions and be in control of them, not so that you can squash them down and not feel anything. No, but so that you can feel things that are connected with reality, like God's reality. Because, because when, when, when our emotions are manipulated by the enemy, he can make us believe things that aren't even true because we feel that it's true. But when our emotions are aligned with, with the Word of God, then we believe what is true, we desire what is true, and, it, and we have an accompanying feeling along with that. Does that make sense? So God wants us to have our soul back. Well, I'm just, I'm just kind of recapping last week because I, I still believe that one of the greatest ways for us to get out of the way is through forgiveness. When we have unforgiveness towards somebody else, we've, we've given them a piece of our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions are all tied into that person. And we cannot then submit that to God because it's owned by somebody else. Somebody else owns real estate in our, in our mind. Somebody owns a part of our desires. And somebody owns a part of our emotions. And so as I was praying about that last week, I, I really felt like the Lord said, actually, what, what people need to do before they can forgive others is they need to learn how to forgive themselves. And so last week I began preaching on forgiving yourself. And I had kind of a, a bit of a road map, I guess, uh, because... Because I, because I think the church in, historically has been very good at, at communicating the principle, right? We understand the principle. I should forgive. I should forgive myself. I should forgive others. We understand the principle, but we haven't trained people in the practice of it. So we've done a lot of teaching, not a lot of training. We've done a lot of preaching about principles and not a lot of practical application. How do I get to forgiveness? And one of the things that's frustrating to me is when people say, well, just just forgive them as if it's easy just forgive yourself like it's a little thing it's like just like just fly to the moon Elon Musk I mean what are you, what are you talking about like, what, what, like this is a difficult thing to do and it's not something you just do it's not something you wake up one morning you say okay I'm going to okay fine fine I'm gonna I'm just do it no like this is a process to get to forgiveness street there's a couple other roads that you have to walk down 
and um, they're dangerous roads because there's there's tricky little little stuff in each road. And so as I was preaching about that last week, um, I don't know how, how many of you were here last week and you heard that message. If you weren't here, you can go listen to it back again. Um, awesome. Well, uh, how many of you would, would would say that there were some areas that you need to forgive yourself in anything and God reveal anything okay good okay so, okay because I was going to change the sermon if not if everybody was just like no all right cool so I, I really sense like God is is doing a deeper work in us and wanting to teach us or train us in how to forgive ourselves so today's a little different I, I'm not I'm not going to preach as much as much as I'm just going to kind of step into some of that some of that how and uh, this week I've been talking various people have come up to me and said man that was speaking to me I have this question I have that question I have that question hopefully in your small groups you're able to open up these questions and say I, I you know this is speaking to me how do I do this how do I walk through this I think that's the number one the number one how to forgiveness is to find somebody to walk with because you're going to have a lot of questions and you're going to need to bounce some things off of some people. So, um, hey, guess what? Uh, look around. Did you see all the hands of people who have the need to forgive themselves? Okay, so, so we're all in the same boat. No one's going to judge you. There's some good people here to walk with. There's also some good pastors here to bounce things off of. My wife and I are available to you uh, 24-7. Uh, basically, you can call my phone. My number, my cell phone number is on the website, all right? Uh, I'm not trying to be aloof. Uh, you can chase me down any, and, 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 and you can talk to us. Uh, you can talk to uh, Pastor Peter, Pastor Eddie, and Priscilla. Uh, uh, the, uh, others on, on, on the leadership team also. Uh, we want to help you with this. We want to walk you through this um, because we also are walking through forgiving ourselves. You, I don't think you ever fully get to the end of it, uh, but we have some victories under our belt. We have some experience. And so we want, we want you to get some victories under your belt as well. And um, so what, what I'm going to do today, just for the remaining few minutes, um, I've asked Manessa to come up and share uh, with me. She was sharing with me this week about a time when she forgave herself. And so I thought it would be kind of cool to have her. Yeah, come on up, Manessa. Uh, I thought it would be kind of cool to have her share her, her testimony and story. And um, uh, maybe if we can get a couple chairs, that would be good. Um, and uh, we'll just, we'll just kind of do an interview style for you all watching from home and for, and, and, and for you all here. Um, we want you to have sort of a, a real life, some real life examples. And what we're going to do is, if you can put up the slide, um, I, I preached last week on, on a bit of a roadmap. And so this is, this is the, the, the recap of the roadmap, all right? So you have, uh, you, you have to start going down Justice Avenue. And be careful not to go down Condemnation Street. That's connected to Justice Avenue. And then uh, Blurry Consequence Boulevard. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, have to, you need to go down Consequence Boulevard, but you need to avoid Accountability Cove. Um, so I'm going to leave those up for you guys to see the path that we're talking about. And uh, what I thought would be cool is if Manessa could just share, and we could just kind of um, dive into her story and the journey uh, that she's taken um, uh, along this, this forgiveness of herself, this forgiveness trail. Um, and maybe just, just, just for starters, uh, for those of you that don't know Manessa, she helps us lead worship a lot on Sundays. She also leads our Wednesday night uh, pursuit night. So, um, and, then, and then also she leads our prayer ministry, and she's added to the prayer ministry the pit 
crew, the prophetic intercessory team. And so she's in charge of that. Um, and in fact, those of you that are in the pit crew, I, I don't know, just, 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 just be ready to pray for people. Uh, I, I think the Lord wants us to spend some time here at the end of this, just uh, after we share testimony, to then respond to that. Um, and for the blood of Jesus to, to do a powerful work. So um, anyway, just heads up, pit crew. Uh, but also, uh, she leads our, our finances, so the, the, the accounting side of things. So if you tithe, you give to City Chapel, you might have got some emails from her. That's why, because she's, uh, she's really good at that stuff, and she's helping us out. So, um, but if, maybe if you could just share your uh, quick overview of your testimony. I know your life you had a life before City Chapel. You guys were alive and, and doing stuff. And, and uh, before, you joined us in, uh, you and uh, Justin and, 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 and her family, Justin's her, her husband, uh, in 2017, was it? Like yes. summer of 2017? No, closer, I, I feel like closer to the end, maybe. Later? Maybe, yes. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't, it kind of, I don't know about you guys, but COVID, those I don't, years are really running together now. Yeah, it's a little blurry. You. It really is. So, um, yeah, actually, I was born again about 20 years ago, um, and uh, literally was born again in a bar, um, and it was a really radical story, and some of you have heard it, um, but I was completely crazy, absolutely crazy, um, like certifiable crazy. In fact, ended up in a hospital because I was certifiable crazy, crazy. Um, and I don't mean that in any kind of dismissive way to anyone who struggles with mental illness. I say this from a place of victory. I say this from a place of compassion. Um, and I know that a lot of people like, hide that and, and there's shame attached to that. And I just, you're not alone with whatever it is you're dealing with in between your ears, as Pastor Harry was saying. Um, and uh, before that, there was a whole lot of life of abuse in an atheist home and drug addiction and lots of things happened before we got to that place. Mm. Um, but God got a hold of me and uh, I, never really, I never really looked back. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it in a nutshell. In a nutshell, In a, in a nice. very small, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a lot of years. Yeah, um, and so, uh, so, so the incident that you had to forgive yourself for, and now there's there's various things yeah. that, and we're all still walking through certain things, I guess. And God probably hasn't even revealed other things to us just yet that we need to forgive ourselves for. Yeah. Um, but the one that you talked to me about uh, this week, I was wondering yeah. if you could just share that story. And, um, and then we can dive into kind of how you walk yeah. through that journey. Um, so I had an abortion when I was 20. Um, it was before I knew um, the Lord. Um, it was, I was completely like just a whole hot, wild mess. Um, and I, uh, I had no desire to keep a baby, no desire to uh, raise a baby, no desire to change anything that I was doing with my life. Um, and I got pregnant. And immediately, like without a question, it was like, okay, let me get the money together because I'm going to have an abortion. Um, and so, yeah, I had to... Uh, rock through forgiveness of myself mm. for that. Uh, when I got born again, I, I, I had a revelation and I realized and I saw what I did and I processed it and talked to God and wept. Um, and I honestly thought that was it. Like I've been forgiven. I've been, you know, redeemed and, you know, and I struggled, you guys, I struggled with so many things when I first was born again. Like if, if people would not have been willing to walk with me through like the most hardest broken stuff, I wouldn't be here today. 
So, but I didn't, there was so much waiting through. I mm. didn't actually attribute that I, the unforgiveness or the, like the, that I needed to do more here in this area yeah. because there was so much I was doing on lots of levels. <clears throat> um, and I actually was, uh, stumbled literally by the grace of God. I, I, I went to do a, um, a persuasive speech in school and I wanted to do it on um, pro-life. And so, and I, and, I, and I did wanna do it from a space of being honest and be like, I did this and I believe this now and this is like what the, what the truth is. Mm. So I did some investigating and I made phone calls to the only real pregnancy center that I knew of at the time was Agape Pregnancy Center in Round Rock because that's where I grew up. And I called them and told them like what I was looking for. And um, they put me in touch with a woman. She said, oh, you've had an abortion? Let, let's, um, I'd like you to talk to this lady. And um, she was amazing. She said, you know, I'd really like to meet with you. There's something called post-abortion ministry. Hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I've talked to God about this. I don't, I feel good. Like, I don't, I don't hold on to this. She's like, I totally get that. Let's just dive in a little more and see. And normally it's like a class, hmm. but um, God knew exactly what I needed. And this was a spirit-filled, discerning. She definitely walked in the gift of discernment. And there was no class. It was just her and I for about six weeks. And we walked through this book in the workbook called Her Choice to Heal. Okay. And we dug into um, really owning what it means to have an abortion. Really owning what the Bible says about that owning the consequences of that, acknowledging that, um, and then Which we would call it. walking down justice That's Avenue. That's right, yeah. Yeah, being honest about what God says about mm. a particular sin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what, like, what, what are some things that you had to own that you feel like as you walk down Justice Avenue? One, I think it's great that you walked with somebody. Yeah. Because... If you don't, it's very easy to get onto Condemnation Street. Um, and even if you do, it's still very easy to fall into condemnation. But disregarding condemnation, like what are some revelations for you that you had to, to agree with God on? Mm. Well, the first off, it's murder. That okay. was the biggest one. Like it's kind of one thing to be like, yeah, I know I did this. And calling it abortion and saying like I've been forgiven, I think takes away from the reality of the heaviness that I had murder in my heart. And I actually had it in my heart before I committed murder. It was there already. And, and then I chose to murder my child, my future husband's child. I chose that. And so really sitting with, not skipping, not jogging through that, but sitting with that, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. And and letting the the feeling, because it's scary, it's scary, and it hurts to feel what it means, our sin. And I remember um, working through this workbook and weeping, like harder than I've ever cried in my entire life. But at the same time, like telling the Lord, if we can get through this together, we can get through anything. Mm. Because I felt him right there with me. He was not judging me. He was not, none of this process was about 
like some kind of punishment that I needed to amend or like I could make better because the reality is I could not make it better. Yeah. It was really all about him wanting me to be free. Yeah. Free to be the mom that he called me to be, not to live in um, shame or, or, or um, rejection or like all of these things that I didn't realize were consequences of the choice that I made. In that time, I also learned of something called post-abortion syndrome. And they give you like a whole list of like what that could look like. And it ranges from depression to anxiety to like one of the most extremes is um, brief psychosis. Mm. And that's what I had. It was about six months after I had the abortion when I went literally psychotic and had a break yeah. and ended up in like a, a Austin State Hospital. Um, but, but that's how I met the Lord. I met him in a bar during that time because Rocky and Janice were obedient to go to the bars and go get the lost sheep. And I was literally that lost sheep. So even in all of it, God used it and broke me so that I could receive yeah. salvation, like my eternity is changed. And I will see, I believe it, um, it's, a, it's a girl, Justin and I really prayed into that. That's part of this healing process is naming your child, like, praying into what, what, what it is, what's the baby's gender. And we really believe that um, her name is Sarah and that she's in heaven and that we will see her. Yeah. Yeah, and that's part of when you walk down Justice uh, Avenue with the way God intended, you arrive at the mercy of God. Like, that's, that's what you're supposed to find along Justice Avenue. And why Condemnation Street is so dangerous is because it robs you of seeing the mercy of God in your sin. You just see your sin. Condemnation is basically the enemy's uh, fake conviction. It's, it's his version of conviction. Because it, one, conviction brings and says, look, you have, you have sinned. You have done what is wrong. And, and you sit with that and you weep through that. But God is there with you and he reveals his mercy to you the entire time. Yeah. You have sinned, but I have died for you. <laughs> you have done what is wrong, but I have taken it upon my shoulders. Right? And so you see the, the, your sin and the mercy of God together. And that's what God wants you to see when you walk down Justice Avenue. But if you, if you lose sight of the mercy of God, then all of a sudden all you see is your sin. And then the enemy can bring in condemnation, which is, number one, you'll never be anything but this. You, this is who you are. This isn't just what you did. This is who you are, and this is what you, who, who you will always be. So there's a future side of, of the enemy's lie, but there's also a past side, too. And we kind of got into that this week, uh, talking about the narrative. You, you, as you walk, the narrative that you have in your mind about your sin, and so maybe your sin is abortion. Um, maybe you've had an abortion. And if, and if that is you, God's forgiveness is right there ready for you to receive. And this is a church that loves you and obviously uh, wants to share that story publicly. Because I, I think in the church, a lot of times that's not spoken about. And so it is just kind of brushed under the, under, under the rug. But 
but God hasn't brushed sin than, than, than anything I've done or anything anyone else has done, right? So this is, all, all the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And so, but, but we want you to experience healing and freedom and be able to forgive yourself because God has forgiven you and you've received that and that's wonderful. But now, can you do the hard work, the difficult work, really, of forgiving yourself, of letting yourself off the hook? Yeah. <laughs> but first you have to realize you're on the hook. Right. And so, so one, like, don't let the enemy tell you this is who you're always going to be. No, because of the blood of Jesus and the mercy of Jesus, you can get murder out of your heart. Yeah. You can get all murder. And by the way, in, in terms of people who are wondering about that, I mean, Scripture does teach that, that life, that there is life when, it's, when a baby is inside of your stomach. Uh, David said that when I was in that that you knew me when I was in my mother's womb. You can't know a cluster of cells. You can only know a person. So God knows the person that is inside of a of a mother's womb. Not only that, but uh, uh, John the Baptist he he did a little somersault when he inside of his mother's womb heard the voice of Mary. And so the Bible is constantly speaking of the agency of the unborn. Uh, and that may be for another sermon. Uh, but when you, when you realize that, when that hits you, I, I remember Abby Johnson came and spoke at Promised Land one time. She was a former um, uh, abortion. She was started off as an employee, and then she managed, I think, several uh, Planned Parenthood clinics. And, um, and, then, and, then, and then she had this, this revelation, this turnaround in, in her life. And um, anyway, she's, she's a really good person to follow on social media. She's always posting things. Just this past week, she said, uh, she posted something that she said, the saddest room uh, in the abortion, uh, in the whole abortion process, the saddest room was the, was the recovery room. I agree. Because there is such a sense of loss. It's true. And there's nothing, it's final. There's nothing you can do about it. It's irreparable loss. Yeah. And so that's where I, the, the Holy Spirit is there with you in that room. God is with those ladies in that room, and his heart for them is to bring healing to them, yeah. bring wholeness, bring forgiveness, and bring change mm. so that they, they, they would turn away from that. The murder gets out of their, your heart, and you submit yourself to God. And so uh, it, it, the, the danger, though, is condemnation, and the enemy will try to put condemnation on you in terms of your future, but also he'll, he'll give you the narrative for your past. Mm. And this is something that we have to also reject. And this is why it's so helpful to walk with somebody through this. Because oftentimes we're so used to hearing that narrative in our head that we don't recognize it as a satanic narrative. Mm. We don't recognize it as a wrong narrative. So sometimes, and I, I talked to somebody else this week about trying to forgive yourself for something you didn't do. Right? Uh, somebody, somebody asked me about a time when they were abused as a child, as a five-year-old child. They were, they were abused. And so they said, how do I forgive myself for that? Well, that's real easy. You don't. <laughs> uh, you do not need to forgive yourself for something somebody else has done to you. But the, the problem with abuse, sexual and physical, honestly, uh, people who have been physically abused as children, the abuser believes that, that they are to blame, that the, that the victim is to blame. And so they, they share that with the victim, and that becomes the, the false narrative that the victim believes, right? And it's a false narrative. You're not to blame, not even a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter if you wore a short skirt. That's not to blame. So to go down Justice Avenue 
is to actually, from, like, from, from truth, from Scripture, actually walk down Justice Avenue. Was I responsible for that person's behavior? The answer is no. Was I responsible for that person's emotions? Did I make them mad? No. You cannot, you're not God. You cannot make anyone mad. Anger comes out of here, not from here. Otherwise, Jesus would have been a very angry person. <laughs> but he, nobody made him mad. He chose when he was going to be angry, and he was angry at the right thing, right? So anger is something that comes out of here that you have control over. And if you don't have control over, that's not your child's fault, right. right? It's not your husband's fault or your wife's fault. Same thing with, 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 with couples where, where maybe sometimes the husband will have an affair, an extramarital affair, and the wife will say, well, I could have been a better wife. Well, yeah, but that, couldn't we all? I mean, <laughs> couldn't every woman in here, couldn't every husband here say, I could be a better husband. I could have been a better son. I could have been, a, sure, yeah, you could be better. That's, that's lovely, but that does not mean you are responsible for what this person chose to do. And so you have to shift the narrative. Otherwise, you'll be stuck on Justice Avenue and really in Condemnation Street because you'll be like, okay, how do I forgive myself for what they did? You don't. You don't have to. Now, you may have to forgive yourself for what you believed about what they did, right? What you told yourself, what you, what you walked, what, the, what, what vow you made, right? Like, yeah, you may have to forgive yourself for the way that you reacted to that. Because it, it hurt you the way you reacted to it. So really, uh, the key is, go down Justice Avenue. Would, would this testimony stand up in court, right? Uh, assault and battery charge. Sir, what's your defense? Well, she made me mad. Eh, no, that's not going to stand up in court. <laughs> well, he was asking for it. Eh, that's not going to Like, these are not justice terms. These are false terms. These are lies of the enemy. And so I just feel like for, for some of us today, like you just need to hear the truth about yeah. your past. You need to hear the truth about it, which is why it's hard as we share from up here. We can share about the truth of her past, mm. which is the truth of her past, uh, you know, especially having to do with an abortion. Um, she could say, yes, I was broken. Yes, I had been abused. Yes. And there's all those truths. But then at the bottom line, no, I'm accountable for what I did and God, let me see that. Let me feel that. Can I say something about that? Sure. Like, that is so necessary, that piece of it. And is as you're walking through this journey, I don't believe that, like, while they have to, like, they almost need to happen, like, at the same time, but separately. Like, forgiving others and right? forgiving yourself. Because well, they are intertwined. They are so Absolutely. intertwined, but, like, you have to separate it. So you walk down this yeah. boulevard and this Justice Avenue for just your stuff mm. but then you have to walk also down that for the stuff that 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 was done to you mm. like separately and not take into account well my mom didn't really know what she was doing or she had been abused too and that's how her mom talked to her so it was okay or like no excuses for them feel them leaving you and what that felt like feel all of those things and own that pain so that you can fully put them on the hook so that you can fully release them. Yeah. But then over here, do the exact same thing for yourself. Fully put yourself on the hook. What, like, what did my decision, yes, I might've been broken, okay, but I made a choice. I made a choice. And so I'm fully on the hook for that choice. And then you can fully be released from that. And I really believe that, like, 
This is so key to receiving in full what the forgiveness of God means. Yeah. Like yeah. we can say that we've been forgiven, but until we really have a revelation of what we are forgiven from, mm. we're receiving in part. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the, the revelation of what I've been forgiven from is so great. It's so beyond anything that I could ever do. That all yeah. I can do is praise. Yeah. All, literally. Yeah, and so some practical things to take away is, one, have a mentor, somebody that you can speak to about this. But two, pray. Bring it to the Lord in prayer. Um, mm. The old timers used to call it praying through. Mm. And that's what you do. You come down to the altar and you pray until you reached clarity. Clarity like past the lies of the enemy, past the narrative of the enemy, past the narrative of your family, past the narrative of what so-and-so told you, like past your own narrative that you've believed. You have to get clarity as far as what God sees about this because he can bring clarity. He can bring a clearness to your mind yeah. about, okay, what, what, am I, what, what do I need to forgive myself for? Hmm. And then what do I need to let myself off the hook for? That wasn't me at all. That was them. That was, that was them. That was their issue. That was their problem. And maybe I need to forgive them. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But that's a whole nother story. Right. And I'll, I'll get to that later. But for now, what do I, it, it, was I responsible for that? Because there's all different kinds of abuse. I don't want to make it sound like, you know, sexual and physical are the only kinds right. of abuse. There's emotional abuse. Yeah. There's spiritual abuse. Anybody been in a church for very long, been under a spiritual leader who uses you and your gifts for for himself instead yeah. of for God or herself. I mean, there's different kind, There's different ways in which we're going to need to forgive others. But before we even get to that, I mean, we have to get to the place where we have to forgive ourselves, which means we walk down Justice Avenue and we look at our own lives and we say, okay, this is where I was wrong. And, um, mm -hmm. and, I, and I receive that, but I also look to the mercy of God. Yes. I also look to the finished work of Jesus. Jesus still loves me. <laughs> and he is redeeming me, and he is changing me, and he is saving me. And then after you go down Justice Avenue, then you have to go down Consequence Boulevard. And the consequences, that, that's where you start looking at the consequences of the decision that you made. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's where naming the child and thinking about that, like this is a very good thing to do. It's a very positive thing to do because it helps bring into full picture the consequence. And also, there's hope next to that, right? So within, as you walk down Consequence Boulevard, like, also look at what brought you to God. Yeah. The consequence, right? Uh, 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 Paul uh, deals with this in Romans, where he talks about how where sin abounds, there does grace much more abound. And he talks about how the weird, it's, it's, like, it's like a weird tension. It's like, well, sin brought us to grace. Yeah. But we don't want to continue in sin so that we keep having grace, right? But he's recognizing that, you know what? It was a broken road that, that led me to the cross. I would never have turned to God if my life hadn't been such a mess. And so at some point, we do, we, as we walk down Justice Avenue, we keep the mercy of God in view, right? And as we walk down Consequence Boulevard, we keep the sovereignty of God in yeah. view. That God had a plan. In the midst of all of my messed up and all my dumb decisions and all this stuff that happened that he didn't want to have happen, right. that he worked all things together, both good and bad, that he works all things together 
for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So he uses these evil things and these good things, and he has a plan. So as you walk down Consequence uh, Boulevard, don't forget about the sovereignty of God. Don't forget about the fact that all of your life he had been with you and guiding you and walking you to a particular destination, and that destination was the cross. And he'd be happy to use your, your, your failures, if, 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 if need be, the failures of others, if need be, to drive us to the cross. And so as you walk down consequence, the way to not get stuck on accountability lane, uh, or cove, I guess, uh, is, is to recognize the sovereignty of God. God knew how messed up my family was, and yet he still chose me to be born in that family. God knew how messed up my city was, and he chose me to be born in that particular city. Right? And, and I mean, and for the most part, if, if you actually do that, if you walk through this with the, with the, the sovereignty of God in view, you're going to be grateful. You're going to be very grateful. I was talking to somebody just a couple weeks ago about teeth problems. Anybody ever have any teeth problems? I've had a lot of teeth problems. And uh, this person had a toothache, and I said, oh, man. And so I, I shared with them all my horror stories, and it didn't make it any better. Um, I thought it was going to make it better because I'm like, you think you got it bad. Like, this is, this is bad right here. But it just made him more scared, I think. And, um, but, but I told him, I said, man, like, what the, the place I've got to, and I've shared this with my daughter because she also has my genetically awful teeth. And we, we pray before we go into the dentist because she's got to get shots and all this stuff. And I've shared this with her. I said, babe, like, like God makes sure everybody needs him. Everybody. God makes sure everybody needs him. So he gives us all something that doesn't work right. Right? And, uh, and you know, basically, me and my daughter are perfect in every other way. So, <laughs> so uh, there's this one thing. Uh, There's one thing that, no, I mean, I mean, you know, God, God's given us other gifts, but he's like, no, you're going to need me here. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to, I'm going to make you pray. Even if it is while you're outside the hospital, outside the dentist, even is while they're sticking needles in your mouth. Like I'm going to make you rely on me, Harry. I'm not going to make you perfect. I'm going to make you. Everybody relies on him in some area. And for the record, it's in more areas than just his teeth. I just want all of you to hear that. And it is, it's, and it is true. You, you have to, it's true. You have to serve with me for a while before you realize that. So that's why she had to point it out. Because right, I mean, you just look at this. It's just like, man, he's got great shoes. And what else does he need? And so great hair. It's just great. And so, you know. Humble, very humble, very exactly. Humble. See, you know, Super it's just humble. the full package. Um, but Rose's not here today. She's teaching the kids, so she can't, she knows the most. She knows the most. Um, but but what, what, what happens is God wants you to rely on him. And so, he'll, so, so when, whenever you live with that view, mm. then you say, Lord, thank you for my lousy teeth. Like, like they suck and they've caused me a lot of pain and money. My parents have paid a lot. I've paid, like... But yet it's kept me humble. It's kept me close to God. It's kept me relying on him. And many of us have issues in our life that if you actually walk down Consequence Avenue with the view of God's sovereignty in mind, you'll say, wow, Lord, thank you for the family that you put me in. I was, I was, I was angry about it for a while, but, but this, this helped me realize who you were. I never would have met you. I never would have realized who you were. If I wasn't in that family, if I didn't have that mom, that dad, that, that situation. And then it gives you, then it gives you more freedom to, 
be thankful because like I was telling this guy I was like man I'm just thankful I wasn't born like in like in the slum of Kenya where I don't have access to a dentist who can give me shots we had one lady in the church she told us about a time she grew up in the east east Texas uh, she was super poor she was on her uh, I think they were homeless she pulled one of her teeth out with vice grips and I was like oh my gosh like I don't I don't know what would you so in many ways, I'm incredibly blessed. I was blessed with a family that had access to dental care. And I currently have access to dental care, which is like less than 1% like of the population. So it's like, man, I, I have finances to pay for that. And, and then I start saying, well, I, I was born just because of where I was born, just because of the color of my skin and where I was born. I was placed in Port Huron, Michigan and not in somewhere Russia. You know what I mean? And, yet, and it's not that God doesn't like those people because God has blessed those people with other things and, 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 and he's given them grace for stuff they're facing. And that's, that's all good and well. But I, I, I'm thankful for God's sovereignty in my life that I was born on the continent I was born in and the place I was born, the time period. If I would have been born in Port Huron, Michigan 200 years ago, I'd be, like, I'd, be like, I'd be like George Washington with those wooden teeth, you know, that he had. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, their version of, like, you know, like, of dental care was like, all right, this, and I'm going to pull, you know. It's like, <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, or they're going to bleed you because somehow that gets rid of the demons. And, I mean, just the time in history when he placed me to have bad teeth, this isn't that bad. It's pretty darn good. And so yeah, I, I, think, I think we can walk through life with, with gratefulness, walk through the consequence with gratefulness when we recognize the sovereignty of God. I'm just really, I'm like, really feel like we need to, we need to touch here for a second. What, what you're talking about, um, and I know we're talking about teeth, but the reality is, is our weaknesses, our mm. family origin, our, our past, our history, our lineage, our um, economic standing, our, like all of these things are our story. And I believe that the Lord wants to redeem your story and he wants to heal and deliver you from shame yeah. attached to your weaknesses and your history and the abuse that you faced or the, the, the whatever, that the parents that you're ashamed of, like whatever. He wants to heal you from the shame that comes, that you have put on your stories. You're ashamed of your story. And the Lord is redeeming your story for yeah. his glory. Yeah. And so this process is for you, 100%. Own it for you. Yeah. But know that it is for his glory. Yeah. And that you went through all of that because he is sovereign for a purpose beyond yourself. But you can't be fully used until you are fully healed. And that is what the Lord wants to do. Restore your story for his glory. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, let's just, let's just spend a moment just right now. Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer because we all have... Even just as we're talking about things we need to forgive ourselves for and, and as I'm talking about teeth or family origins or experiences that have happened. Injustice that's happened to us. Yeah, I feel like God wants to walk us down Justice Avenue. 
One, he wants to let us off the hook for some things that the enemy has tried to put us on the hook for. And so, Lord, I pray that you do that right now. As we open up our hearts to you, just go ahead and just ask the Lord, just, Lord, is there anything I've put myself on the hook for that just is not my fault at all and I need to take myself off the hook? And Father, by the grace that you poured out on the cross, by the blood of Jesus, would you, would you lift your, your child off of the enemy's hook? Would you confirm the truth? Philippians 4 says, if anything is true, think on these. If anything is true, think on it. If it's not true, stop thinking about it. If anything is true, think on it. If anything is honest, think on it. If anything is pure or without additives, <laughs> without all the yeah buts, think on it. If anything is lovely or driving you toward a place of love, think on it. If anything is praiseworthy or anything that leads us to worship, think on it. And so, Lord, would you help identify the lies that we have believed that have put us on the hook and have caused us, that have robbed us of our worship, really. We stood in worship, felt unworthy to even lift our hands. Felt unworthy to even believe that you could heal us. To believe that you could save us. To believe that you could give us the gift of the Holy Spirit robbed us of our confidence or take us off the hook for things that we've put ourselves on the hook for and then for other things that we have done Lord would you bring us through Justice Avenue would you help us to see what we've done but never lose sight of your mercy help us to see what we've done in light of your mercy and then let us run to the cross let us abandon our self-righteousness. Let us abandon our excuses. Let us abandon our shoving it under the rug and simply not thinking about it. Let us actually place it before you at the cross that, that this is the gospel, that Christ died for sinners. And that's me. I fit that description. That's me. I, my sin doesn't look like their sin or their sin, but I crucified the Son of glory. My sin held him there. And so I come before the cross and I repent. And then I walk down Consequence Boulevard and I, and, I, and I admit what I have done to myself and how it has affected me and how it has changed me and how it has crippled me and how it has robbed me and how it has affected me and those around me. But I don't, I don't stop there. I don't wait to pay myself back. Instead, I look also to the sovereignty of God, that God brought me through this for a reason, that my pain has a purpose, that there's something that God is working in my life, that he's giving me a testimony that nobody else has and is just as valuable as anybody else's. He's given me a story that he wants to use my story for what he's doing in this earth. That it's a part of it. I'll be, I'll be able to speak to somebody that nobody else will be able to speak to. And that's, that's why he's bringing me through it. So that the comfort that I receive from him, I can pass on to somebody else. The forgiveness I receive from him, I can pass on to somebody else. And so I walk through Consequence Boulevard with the sovereignty of God in mind. And I thank you for placing me in the family that you placed me. And I thank you for giving me the sister and the brother that you gave me. 
Thank you for putting me in, in the city that you put me in, in the time period that you put me in. Thank you for giving me the gender that you gave me. The eye color that you gave me, the height, that you, all of these things are things that you picked out I had nothing to do with. Many of them I would have changed at one point or another. But you are sovereign and you are right and you are perfect in all of your ways. <laughs> you don't make mistakes. So I'm not a mistake. My life is not a mistake. Even my poor choices you have used to, to, to bring me to a place where I am right now taken everything and you've worked all things together for good and I thank you and I worship you because that's the point of the whole thing <laughs> Moses and and the saints there, they're worshiping God right now because he's so good and his mercy endures forever. So Lord, may our processes that we're going through, may they lead us to a place of worship. May they lead us to a place of adoration. May they lead us to a place of receiving the deep, deep love of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for joining us today. Uh, we are here for you. We'll be happy to talk with you and uh, continue to walk with you through this. And uh, small groups are also a great place to do that. So uh, they got a small group happening this afternoon over at uh, the baker's house. Uh, feel, free to, feel free to join us. You can hop into a small group any time. And um, if you need prayer, we'll have the prayer team over here at the end of service to pray with you. If you need extra prayer, come on down. And um, otherwise, you're dismissed. We'll see you Wednesday night. We'll be here for prayer Wednesday night. Um, and or the guys. We'll see you all on Saturday. Just the guys.